Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of The Daily Stand-Up. My name is Lee Henson, president and founder of Agile Dad, and without any further ado, let's get started. Today's topic is a carryover from last week. We're going to finish up talking about the different planning sessions and the different meetings, and we hope that uh, we can close out this week with sprint planning, the daily stand-up, the review and demo, and then finally on Friday, retrospectives. So for today, we're going to talk about sprint planning. Now, sprint planning, in my opinion, is one of the most interesting meetings because it sort of seals all the gaps. I was teaching for a home improvement company, and I had one young lady tell me sprint planning was the glue that hold all, held all the sawdust together and made us all particle board. Now, while I don't ever long to be particle board, I, I do get where she's coming from. If you do this correctly for a two-week sprint, this meeting shouldn't last longer than 45 minutes. It should contain key information that's going to help you be successful, and it should allow the team to really understand and get their head around the work and, and make certain that they really are you know, on point, on task. Uh, this is the culminating event of the Scrum Framework. Uh, this is the event where the team commits to completing the work, and it pulls together all the prior planning and it's the final checkpoint before the work physically begins on a sprint backlog. Uh, this event's the lifeblood of what makes Scrum or Agile so special. This is the final opportunity to inspect and adapt work before it's set into motion. This short yet productive meeting serves as a conduit for the workload responsibility uh, when it shifts to the Scrum team. From an input perspective, you want to make sure you have a well-refined product backlog that's critical for the success of the meeting. Each team is to consider uh, for the sprint, you know, what small in size, easy to consume backlog items should be included, and do each of those have clear acceptance criteria? The output, of course, will be work that's aligned into a sprint cycle to be completed by the team. As far as duration is concerned, the typical duration for this meeting is anywhere from one to four weeks. I typically recommend a two-week sprint because I think two weeks is just enough time for the team to get a productive potentially shippable product or service out, or at least product, product increment, without uh, trying to try to do everything in four weeks or you know trying to rush to get things done in one week. Unless your team is following a Kanban or a Scrumban method, of course, which is either continuous or one week, you want to stick to smaller sprint lengths if possible. By the time the work actually reaches sprint planning, it should be small in size, well-defined, and have clear acceptance criteria. Sprint planning is not the time to go through heavy-duty, thorough refinement. This session is designed to help the team see how much work is expected of them for that period and to have the ability to accept work into the session. So as far as participants are concerned, you know, the product owner absolutely has to be there. The scrum team should be there. The scrum master should be there. But this is a team meeting. Sometimes you'll have optional participants that show up, like key stakeholders or analysts, it's okay for them to be there as long as the focus that this is the team's handoff. This is their meeting to pick up the work. So we want to make it easy for them. We want to include you know, five or six short, simple steps in order for them to be successful. So step one is they schedule items into the sprint, making certain that they don't exceed their team velocity. Uh, if you did rapid release planning prior, this step's already done and well in motion. Step two is to review each team member's capacity to ensure that people will not attempt to over-allocate their time availability during a planning session. Uh, so I use a formula with the number of workdays present in that sprint. So for a 10-day sprint or a two-week sprint, that's nine working days. And then I'll use it times six hours a day. Now, I don't do time-based estimates, 
but I want to make sure that if someone's planning on taking a couple of days off for a holiday or if someone knows they're going to be out for a week or whatever the case may be, or if they're multiple allocated, you know, which I don't recommend, but if they're allocated across multiple products or projects, we need to make sure that they're not trying to overbook themselves. Step three is detail planning. This is where we break down work if it's not already broken down into reasonable tasks and tests. We don't want anyone to estimate or sign up for the work at this point. We just want the team to break those items down uh, into small working details. Next, we have uh, member planning. This is where team members sign up for the work that they choose and, uh, and forecast and reduce the number of hours that they have available to make sure that they're not over allocating themselves. Now, once again, no one's keeping track of these hours. It's just a good practice for you to make sure that you're not over allocating yourself by deducting from the number of hours you'll have available. That way you can kind of get your head around to work and know whether you're signing up for too much or not. Uh, it's just a good practice to do that. The two ways that I've seen member planning performed, one is called the scrum method. This is where we sign up for all the tasks and everything that's been broken down to make sure no one's over allocated and go team and move in the right direction. The second way is more from an extreme programming perspective where each person signs up for one item that they want to do. Uh, they commit to doing those items, go team, and then uh, as they finish the work that they're working on, they'll pick up a new item. So it's not a matter of right or wrong, it's a matter of what feels most comfortable to your organization. Step five is to review any open issues or impediments with the Scrum Master and Product Owner to make certain that there's no item that's been allocated into a sprint that's at risk of not being completed. Uh, any items that are blocked or can't be done should be replaced with approval from the product owner. And then finally, you want to commit to the sprint as a team now. You can ask anyone you know, anyone I know that, you know, I take commitment very seriously. Uh, this is where, you know, the team can really engage and say, okay, we understand. We know what our sprint backlog is. We know what's expected of us. And we're confident that with the information that we have, that we're going to be able to complete the allocated work that's been given to us. And that way, you know, should uh, new tasks emerge or should there be some discovery during a sprint, it's okay. Uh, the team has a plan because they have their head around the work and they're not constantly trying to chase down individuals or chase down ideas or thoughts, trying to get things done. You know, they, they really do have a core understanding of what they're trying to do. Well, that wraps up sprint planning. I hope that was useful to you. If you have any other questions regarding this topic or any other Agile topic, Feel free to visit AgileDad.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're also looking for additional ideas for things you'd like to hear in this podcast. So if you have a thought or an idea, a topic you want covered, give us a shout out. Let us know. We'll be happy to do that for you. On behalf of the entire Agile Dad team, we encourage you to stay well, stay healthy, and stay agile. Until next time, take care.